Sheesh, this is London's Free Thinking Comedy Club. That does not mean that we are here to be offensive. It just means that we are here to laugh at comedy, understanding that none of this is meant specifically to be about you, you fucker. It's not about you! Isn't it? Oh, that's very disappointing. I'm so sorry, madam. Welcome to the Comedy Unleashed podcast, a special quarantined, shut-in-lockdown edition, and I'm here with Andrew Lawrence, who's one of the few comedians who have taken a more sceptical, questioning, and critical approach to the fact that the government has suspended our entire economic and social life, hugely extended the powers of the police, and uh, enforced mass unemployment. And a lot of comedians don't seem to have uh, noticed this and just seem to think that uh, Boris is a bit confusing, and that's very funny. But Andrew's, uh, I think, uh, taken a much more intelligent and sceptical and satirical approach to the utterly bizarre situation that we all find ourselves in. Andrew's created a number of characters, and what we're going to do on the podcast is play the sketches from the characters, but we thought it would be good to have a bit of an introduction uh, to each of the characters and sort of Andrew's underlying thinking about how he created them. Um, But first, anyway... Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been an interesting old stretch of time doing um, something very new for me, doing all these these uh, characters. But as a comedian, you've got to find something to do, something to do in um, this situation that works. And uh, there are a lot of people trying to make stand-up work, but I, I just didn't feel like it was for me. So I felt like I had to find something different so that's what i'm trying to do really and um yeah you guys comedy unleashed your youtube channels really nice really great outlet to have somewhere to put that stuff and uh and get it seen and um yeah it's nice to work with you Cool. No, well, thanks for that. I mean, we put, uh, yeah, a collection of all the, the different characters together out on the YouTube channel a few days ago. And the comments are fantastic. You know, it's just really good. It's almost like a relief for people to watch something that is critical and is funny and sort of chimes with their sort of sceptical thinking. I don't know. It's, I, I think it's a very forgiving time, actually, if you're a comedian. You, you can get away with a lot of things you at the moment that you wouldn't necessarily have gotten away with online before all this happened and you can kind of experiment with things and try a lot more out and and people are a lot more open to it online than they were before all this happened actually so which is great from a a comedian standpoint i mean i think i can just take a risk on anything at the moment and just i think well if it makes me laugh i just i think well that's a funny idea let's let's put that out and see what kind of reaction it gets whereas certainly before all this happened, I, I would have been quite reticent about having an idea and putting it out, or filming something and putting it out online. We're all in a strange headspace and we're all negotiating our way through this really bizarre time mentally. We're finding a way to negotiate our way through that. And I suppose all creativity and all is about this in some in some ways. It's about reconciling your own reality with that of other people's and, and finding that common ground because so much of comedy is for me. Comedy is about is about bringing people together and finding that common ground. And uh, there's there's not a lot of that at the moment in in so many walks of life. There's not a lot of coming together <laughs> and there's not a lot of common ground. There's a lot of um, fractured groups of people who, who don't really get on very well with each other or have much respect or time for each other's point of view but but comedy is is about or should be about about bringing people together i think 
You've developed a number of different characters, and uh, there are going to be six characters on this podcast, uh, and also are on Andrew's show on the YouTube channel. The first one, Detective Sergeant Officer Peter Pispot of uh, Twat Valley Police. <laughs> so, uh, where did he come from? Well, it's this uh, this idea that we're all living under new rules. <laughs> there are all these new rules suddenly that have uh, been sprung on us because of this. Uh, pandemic they're odd and, and, and bizarre and it's very easy to follow rules unthinkingly isn't it and to say well those are rules <laughs> better, better do what i'm told and uh i think um so much of it makes sense of course it does and, and when it's such an odd situation to have uh law enforcement kind of uh out there um policing the way we all move around and interact with each other it's uh it's incredibly disturbing, of course, it is, and, and um, has been necessary to a degree. But I suppose that that character is a funny way of exploring where uh, where the boundaries are, <laughs> and where it becomes a bit silly and a bit ridiculous, and uh, a little bit uh, author- authoritarian in a um, in a slightly uncomfortable way, and uh, taking that and, and exaggerating it to a kind of absurd and possibly uh, quite a dark degree. Hello, I'm Sergeant Constable Detective Officer Peter Pispot from Twat Valley Police. Eventful weekend so far. Myself and a number of my colleagues were called upon to monitor the anti-lockdown protest in Hyde Park yesterday. At this point in our war against COVID-19, it was vital that the public see a large, tightly packed unit of police officers side by side, shoulder to shoulder, with no face masks on, in order to understand just how contagious this virus is. Of course, these protesters in Hyde Park had absolutely no idea of how infectious and deadly the virus can be, and it was essential that myself and my colleagues get right up in their faces to fully explain the two-metre rule to them. Nineteen scumbags were arrested for waving placards displaying misinformation, as well as a very poor use of syntax in what was a disgraceful display of lawlessness. Due physical force was used by myself and my fellow officers. Some individuals were wrestled to the ground. The odd elbow and knee were deployed where possible in a coordinated effort to knock some sense into these cove idiots. They were then led away in handcuffs and later tied to a 5G mast, whereupon they may or may not have turned into lizards. Ten on-the-spot fines were issued, the funds from which will be used by the London Mayor to implement more traffic restrictions in London in order to make car driving in the capital impossible at a time when everyone is being advised to avoid public transport. We would like to remind you at this juncture to continue to trust the authorities. We know what we're doing, and even if we don't, it's fuck all you can do about it. Keep safe, stay alert, go back to work if you can be bothered, Otherwise, keep cowering behind your sofa until Daddy Boris tells you you can have your life back. And remember, it could be worse. If you were living in Belgium, you'd probably be dead by now. As it is, you've almost certainly got another couple of months. I like the way you do to sort of take it dark and and, and also the the role of the police in every aspect of life. The Neil Ferguson thing you did about, you know, if you're feeling libidinous, uh, the official, official government advice is to crack one off for yourself and just, yeah, just taking it to its absurd extreme. But, but there's a real truth in it. That Neil Ferguson thing, whatever you, whatever you think of him, that this whole kind of, uh, 
demonising and, and witch hunting thing of him being, being absolutely dragged through through the the press and and, and destroyed because he's because he's uh, yeah because he's gone to see uh, someone to get to get his end away. It kind of reminded me uh, a little bit about um, a little bit of uh, the whole Clinton. Monica Lewinsky thing again, which is a very uh, a very moralising kind of sanctimonious time to live in, where everything's blown out of all proportion, and and of course it's terrible because everyone realises things have been blown out of all proportion. But if you, it depends whether you started off on someone's side or if, or whether you didn't. If you already thought Neil Ferguson was a good guy and agreed with with uh, the kind of his standpoint and his influence on on um, government policy, then you probably would have been quite defensive of him and said, "Oh, why shouldn't he go and go and meet someone for for, <laughs> for sex?" Um, but if you already didn't like him <laughs> and thought he was uh, a negative uh, influence on government and that his ideas were wrong, then you probably would have uh, really gone to town, tearing him to shreds <laughs> for this fairly. Uh, <laughs> This thing that nobody should really care about that that much. I mean, uh, there's a, there's hypocrisy about it, no doubt about that. But <laughs> as with so many things, so many stories in the in the news of the last half decade, really. Half of myself and my colleagues, I like to convey our deep condemnation of the actions of Professor Neil Ferguson, who have come to light in the news today. We'd like to remind you all to keep your penis in your underwear at this time, and if you do have a vagina, we would also ask you to keep that out of harm's way. Until you hear otherwise, you should be remaining in your homes, going out only for essential shopping and once-a-day exercise. Travelling to another individual's house so that you can get your tiddlers tickled during this lockdown is completely unacceptable. If you are feeling libidinous, the official government advice is to crack one off for yourself, flick your bean if necessary. However, given that we are still in the midst of a pandemic, we would ask that you wash your hands diligently afterwards and give your laptop a thorough wipe down. Should you be living with your long-term partner, husband or wife, sex of course is still permitted, but not mandatory, as some of you may very well be repulsed by the idea. I know my wife is. If we do find that you've been having sexual activities outside your household, you will be placed on the sex offenders register, and under temporary regulations we are permitted to sterilise you. This is an extreme measure that we will only use in exceptional circumstances, or just for a laugh. Keep safe. Remain at home, leave your cock alone, stay away from slags, and take a cold shower, you fucking animals. Tell us about uh, Dr. Gideon Micropenis, who I believe is the uh, Professor of Sociology, Philosophy, Finger Painting, and Storytime at, uh, is it Fuxted Metropolitan New University? Fuxtick, Fuxtick New Metropolitan New University, I think. Doesn't make much difference, I think. <laughs> well, this idea of a kind of academic way of thinking, the, um, this kind of consensus of thought that, that uh, depending on your, your perspective, does or doesn't exist in the academic world, this, this strange, um, this woke culture, I suppose, and it's, it's having a kind of ex- example of um, 
of someone like that, but someone who's older, someone who you wouldn't necessarily expect it from, and, and someone who seems, someone who's taken it to a, an absurd, bizarre extent, someone who, who seems so far detached from anybody's concept of reality, and yet at the same time is utterly, utterly convinced of their own um, worldview and their own intelligence more than anything else, incredibly... Uh, mm enamoured of the idea of, of the superiority of their own intellects, but actually uh, incredibly far removed from the real world. Again, kind of uh, like uh, the policeman, it's, it's about having a, a, an authority figure, really, uh, an authority figure like a, a university uh, professor who, who is an authority figure for so many young people who might be passing through and come under his influence. So it's it's, it's very easy to find the comedy in in any kind of um, very clear authority figure who's kind of off the rails and, and um, who's sort of uh, suffering from um, delusions of one kind or another. I think it's uh, I think they're always very rich characters for comedy. Anyone with a little bit of authority has always plenty in there to uh, to make fun of. Hello, I'm Dr. Gideon Macropenus, Professor of Sociology, Psychology, Crop Circles, Interpretive Dance and Shadow Puppetry here at Fuckstick Metropolitan New University. There's no doubt that this pandemic has cost us all a great deal. Fortunately, I've been able to carry on with my very important funded research into the cultural significance of anal bleaching in Western society, but I'm very aware of my privilege in that respect. My students have been prohibited from sitting in my lectures and attending my tutorials during this lockdown, which is, of course, a dreadful loss for them. Reluctantly, I decided not to return to teaching until late autumn in order to protect the health of the entire campus community. Naturally, I'd rather be providing my students with the expensive education they've paid for, but at times like this, you have to be selfless and make sacrifices. So instead, I'll be claiming a substantial portion of my wages through the government's furlough scheme, whilst nobly not doing my job. I have friends who are teachers working in primary and secondary education, and frankly, it's outrageous that they're being asked to return to work as early as June the 1st. I mean, yes, nurses, refuse collectors, delivery workers, supermarket employees, care home staff, public transport operatives, they've all been working throughout this pandemic. But surely teachers deserve better. Surely teachers have a hard enough time surviving on as little as 13 weeks paid annual holiday, expected to work as late as 3.30 in the afternoon, essentially modern-day slavery, yet they're being sent back into schools when they could still be at risk of catching this virus. It's all right for the children, they're far less at risk from COVID-19 than adults, but what about the teachers? And why are we prioritising children, educationally or otherwise? What are they contributing to society? Wouldn't it be better to intern them all in some sort of camp for the summer with minimum adult contacts, just extensive CCTV surveillance to keep them from mutilating each other? Times like these require radical thinking, academic prowess. In fact, if you work for the government and you'd like to consult with me over Zoom, I am available for a suitable fee. Lord knows, my opinion is incredibly important. Now more than ever, do get in touch.
and another character is uh, the part-time comedian uh, I-, I love it who is best known for I need attention let me debase myself <laughs> Johnny 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 Smugface so um, who's this man well it's the nature of, of the industry it's, it's the entertainment industry of course you come across a lot of very fake people <laughs> because you know you you're a performer for a living, there's inevitably a, an element of fakery about who you are and what you do on stage, but it's a question of um, whether that persists when you're off stage as well. And um, as a stand-up, I, I feel like everything I say on stage has got to be honest. It's got to be real to me. I can't be. I can't be pandering. I can't be saying something because just because I know the audience are going to agree with me, or I know. It's going to get the laugh, even though I don't think it's, I don't really, that's a whole much truth for me, or I don't, it doesn't make me laugh, or it's not my concept of, of, of what's real and, and, and what's actually happening. I can't really go along with that. It has to be authentic for me. I have to be telling the truth on stage. But that's certainly not the case with a lot of stand up and um, even at a, a very high level that's about pushing buttons. And signalling, coming across as a nice guy, as a virtuous person, when the reality is when you, you may spend time with that comedian off stage and, and you know the reality is very different. I suppose, to put it a bit more simply, you'll see the nice guy comedian on stage who trades upon being the nicest guy in comedy and, and being a very virtuous person and I know, goes off and seems to be doing stuff for charity or promoting kindness. or <laughs> But then they'll come off stage and it's a... It's, it's a slightly different person. And that happens at a high level. They bring this positivity on stage with them, which is very attractive and you want to buy into it. And it works very well in television, I think, a lot of the time. They can be very slick performers and doing very well on TV and, and as stand-up comedians, but what they do is not funny because there's no truth in there. They're not being honest. Kind of pushing buttons and conveying a, a, this idea of them and, and selling themselves as this 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 nice guy, this virtuous person. And so I wanted to do a character that was kind of sending that up in an exaggerated way. Hey guys, I'm TV presenter and part-time comedian Johnny Smugface. You've probably seen me on BBC Two's Diversity of the Apollo or listened to my Smash It podcast. I don't have depression, but let's talk about yours. I just wanted to say that I know this pandemic has been really rough on people. People have lost loved ones. People have lost jobs. I've lost my weekly online delivery slot at Sainsbury's. They've prioritised old people for deliveries. So now I actually have to go to the shop, which without wishing to sound precious, isn't really feasible for someone who's made it in broadcasting. People see me in a supermarket, they want to come over and chat, they want a selfie, they want to touch me, and all the time they're breathing on me with their normal people germs. They don't realise that if I get ill, then I'm not going to be on TV, and then they'll have nothing worth watching. And then without the distraction of my positive energy, they'll have to start thinking about the misery of their own lives and how badly everything's going for them. And then they'll probably kill themselves or because they couldn't keep their dirty germs away from me. Basically, I can't go to the supermarket because ordinary non-famous people can't be trusted to control themselves in my presence. 
but I've got no choice because old people have taken my delivery slot. And the worst thing is most old people can't really eat much anyway. They can't digest it. I need food because I'm using up so much energy, making people's lives better with my personality. That's why I'm launching a campaign to say that if you are old and you do have food, I want you to arrange a delivery to my agent and he'll send that food on to me. All of us have sacrificed so much to protect you old people in this pandemic, and now it's time for you to give something back. Don't be selfish. You'll be dead soon, and God will judge you. Big love to all my fans. Enjoy your lockdown, and keep being kind. Now, another character you've, you've put on there is, uh, is your spoofer, Bill Gates, which I noticed from the feedback on the YouTube channel has gone down really well. There is a, a level of cynicism involved with Bill Gates. You know, some people will say, you know, he's made all his money and actually he's ploughing it all in now to eradicate communicable diseases and do good things. And other people are quite cynical. And then you've got the sort of conspiracy theorist end, which, you know, saying that Bill Gates is trying to inject some sort of, you know, you know create a vaccine to sort of inject us with biochips so that the, you know, the world government can control so there's a whole spectrum of opinion on uh, on Bill Gates. What 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 sort of inspired your characterisation of him? Well, again, he's a very powerful authority figure who's got himself very very involved in the current situation and was involved in, in a big way in viral research before this all happened. So he's <laughs> a very interesting character, and there there is there's a lot of comedy in there, but it's a question of exaggerating who he is and finding uh, finding things about him to exaggerate. I did a video where I was, I was Richard Branson as well, and, it, and that was a lot was a lot easier to bring him across, actually, than Bill Gates. I found it quite quite tricky and still needs a bit of work, really, if I carry on doing it. <laughs> but uh, there, there's, there's a smugness there. There's a smugness there about him. Of course, an inevitable detachment from the real world how could this guy possibly live in the real world <laughs> this guy couldn't couldn't possibly understand what it is to live a normal life these days um he may have grown up with a normal life but <laughs> how could he possibly how could he how could he possibly understand what a kind of average family or you know individual is uh is going through at the moment I'm Bill Gates, co-founder of Microsoft and one of the world's leading experts on pandemics. And I'm here to brighten up your day with my thoughts on COVID-19 and the current global situation. I have been lying awake every night for years worrying about pandemics. And now that COVID-19 is upon us, we can agree that was rational behavior. My worst nightmare has come true. Coronavirus is our generation's world war. It's that serious. It's impossible to overstate the pain that will be felt for years to come. The only way out of this is vaccination. We need to come up with a vaccine and vaccinate the whole world, and that could take five years or more. I myself have invested heavily in a vaccination program, and I could make an absolute ton of money. Let's face it, it wouldn't be the first time. Everybody's going to have to stay away from family and friends, stay at home, stay out of work, maybe for half a decade. And as someone with a $100 billion fortune, I know how you feel. Many, many more people are going to die, your loved ones. Many of you will experience long-term unemployment, poverty, famine, despair. Not me, I'll be fine. I've got $100 billion. No one who lives through pandemic one will ever forget it. 
I'm calling it Pandemic 1 because there will be more like this. All our lives are going to change irrevocably forever in a terrible, terrible way. I hope my words are of some consolation to you, that I've pepped you up as you face the oncoming weeks of desolation. Not allowed to go anywhere, do anything, see anyone, no end in sight, no idea what the future holds, only a constant sense of foreboding, a fear that fills your heart and mind and in and of itself is probably slowly killing you. Anyway, keep your pecker up. Have a great day. And then there's the ultimate uh, Johnny smug face of business, Richard Branson, who you just mentioned. Yeah, well, of course, the joke was, was clear. The, the fact that he's, he's asking for for other people's money, other people's donation, taxpayer money to to bail him out, where, whereas I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who felt they've been ripped off in various ways by a virgin in its different incarnations um, over the years. And plenty of people who feel like they've had a good deal, I'm sure. <laughs> But uh, it's it's just this this incredibly powerful, wealthy person. The idea that uh, he should be asking for a, a taxpayer a bailout when uh, <laughs> the information about him's out there. We, we, <laughs> we all know we all know about his island and his uh, and, and his wealth. <laughs> decades the Virgin Group has thrived because we care so much about you, the customer, in everything that we do. Now it's time for you to give something back. We're asking you to petition the government to bail out Virgin Atlantic. In addition, a GoFundMe page has been set up where you can donate to help save my business. Or if you prefer, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans page where I'll be uploading regular content with my nipples out and maybe more for platinum subscribers. Thanks for listening. Look after yourselves, but more importantly, look after me. Don't forget, I'm not just some shameless money-grubbing bastard. I'm the UK's best-loved businessman. Thanks for your support, and we look forward to ripping you off again soon. I look at something, I read something in the news, or I see something, and I think, well, that's funny. There's something in there, there's a little video in there. I had to make it as best as I can. Why not? Nothing to lose, really, at the moment. So, put it out there. Just today, there was a, well, yesterday, there was a story about um, Brian Adams kind of writing angrily on his, his kind of uh, Instagram about eating wet food market, greedy, uh, <laughs> greedy Chinese people who've messed up everything for everyone. And, uh, massive backlash that he faced because of that and then he apologized for, for absolutely for nothing really because is, is there anyone out there who doesn't think yeah this is this has come from china this, <laughs> can we have an apology of some kind i do just give us an apology an admittance of, of, uh, of something something went wrong and, and some sort of apology would be nice but uh, apparently no one's supposed to say anything we're all supposed to pretend that it hasn't come from China, but, and and the, it's just the idea that he's apologised for this, <laughs> this thing that, and it must be that the millions of people, I certainly have millions of people have, 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 
put things sim- similar online and, and made jokes about bat eating and the virus coming from China. And yet there's suddenly this uproar because it's Brian Adams who's got to apologise. So I was thinking, well, there, there's a joke in there. I can make a little video. I could, I could probably get away with doing a, a vaguely passable Brian Adams if I, if I worked on it. And there's, they're just, it would be funny to, to play up and exaggerate this apology. This, this, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, it's just little things like that, but it's, it's about thinking, well, how do I make that work? How am I going to bring, how do I bring Brian Adams across? As I say, there's, there's a lot of scope for doing that online at the moment. People are very open and, and actually I think people are, are quite, um, are quite eager to, to see new stuff online. Because there are a lot of people, still a lot of people stuck at home having an existential crisis, not uh, really not knowing what to do with themselves. And uh, it's nice if they've got something to take their mind off things and make them laugh a little bit, hopefully. That's our point, you know, is to distract people and, and make them laugh. I love the character that you've uh, created, which is the uh, unexpected expert. So, you know, we have experts in everything now from, you know, yeah. parenting to money advice. or Everyone's a, an, an expert. And um, the bizarre situation where most people have been forced unemployment and passivity and the, the one man that's become the new expert is the man who's been unemployed for well over a decade and providing expert. Um, I think that character is great. Well, well that, it's the idea of this this odd kind of social kind of shift, almost a power shift, but a shift in relevance. The people who are who are kind of relevant and important now at this point are very, very different to the people who are kind of relevant and, and carry cachet and, and, and are powerful during normal circumstances. And it's, it's kind of... Um, this idea that this guy who's been unemployed for 14 years should have something of value to impart to people, some some advice and, and mentoring and teaching to give people about how to cope with unemployment because <laughs> it's uh, how, <laughs> horrendous the, the huge numbers of people who are not necessarily at the moment but depressing as it is to say in, in three months, six months' time are going to be facing facing unemployment potentially um and of course that's a massive anxiety for all of us for, for so many people and everyone's anxious about where they're going to be half a year down the line in terms of their working life so if you can create a character create some some comedy that lightens that up a little bit and and sort of disperses that anxiety and people can laugh about that and laugh about their their work circumstances to a degree as much as you can <laughs> then that then that's that's kind of a job done as a comedian so the crisis continues the virus rages on the government's gonna pay furlough until october pay you 80 percent of your wages for staying at home and doing fuck all pretty sweet deal eh This pandemic represents a golden age for lazy bastards. And if that's you, maybe I can help. I've been unemployed for 14 years now, living the dream, and you could be too. I'm the unemployment guru, and I'm going to teach you how you can sit on your arse and still claim your wages for as long as possible, like the dirty, skiving fuckers you are. Number one, pretend you've got asthma. It's well documented that people with asthma are particularly vulnerable to coronavirus. 
It's a fairly fucking sketchy sort of illness. The sort of thing anyone can get a doctor's certificate for. All you got to do is start wheezing and coughing. Suddenly your GP's sending you home with an inhaler and a signal, and that's a fucking result right there. Number two, statistics show that ethnic minorities are particularly vulnerable to catching COVID-19. So now is an ideal time to play the race card. Tell the government you can't go to work because you're black. Or if you're white, tell them you identify as black. Collect your free furlough money, plant yourself on the sofa and revel in your own scumbaggery. Number three, mental health problems are a very easy thing to fake. Put a pair of underpants on your head, wipe shite on your face, and get on Skype with your boss. Tell him the mental stress of COVID-19 means you're no coming into work until there's a vaccine. The bastard will get your 80% magic tree money from the government, then you can light yourself a spliff, get back on your PlayStation, where you fucking belong. Last but no least, if you do have to go into work, join a union. It's the best way of getting paid the most money for doing the least work. And remember, if there's work to be done, let some other stupid fucker do it. Life is short, don't waste it by overexerting yourself. I'm the unemployment guru. Now go and scrounge some money off the taxpayer. You work shy fucking tool rags. It's great what you're doing, and uh, and we'd love to put out another special, you know, in a few weeks' time when you've got, you know more characters or more sketches from those characters if anyone wants to uh, see the sketches uh, just search for uh, comedy unleashed on youtube and there are three types of shows we're putting out one is the uh, quarantined sketch show which is a mixture of sketches from uh, all different sorts of people we put a fund together of around 10 grand to pay comedians to produce material and we we've uh, had cartoonists from austria we've had uh, uh, guys putting sketches in uh, based in New York, people from all over the place. So we're picking the best out uh, and then turning those into shows. That's qu- uh, Comedy Unleashed Quarantined. Uh, we're going to put specials out of the best individual comedians, the, the people that we think are producing the best material. And Andrew Lawrence is the first of those. Uh, and then we're digging back into the vault, into the archive. When, we, when the club was still running, uh, we used to record everything in 4K. Uh, and so we're going back in to try and find the best sketches uh, that have never been published before uh, and then paying the comedians again the same fee that we paid them uh, when they recorded it live and then put those out as uh, as live specials from the vault thanks for listening and uh, see you again soon Thank you.